Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast with fixed audio on my end, thankfully, this time around. Apologies for the, the last episode. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And we've got an incredibly interesting episode today. We're bringing on a guest with a bunch of skill sets that you don't ne- normally see in a jiu-jitsu athlete. And we're really thankful to get his uh, thoughts and opinions on uh, different ways that combat evolves in the United States as well as the world. As we normally do at the beginning of these episodes, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, No Judges Needed, the one-stop shop for all your BJJ grappling needs. Just going to give our visual uh, listeners some of the examples they have on their pages of some of their casual wear. You've got hoodies, you got tank tops, you've got really cool hats, and of course, you've got training gear. You've got the rash guards, you've got uh, compression pants, you've got uh, women's options, you've got uh, obviously the gi featuring Sexiest Man in the Universe, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, we're all getting back to training and we're all looking to spice up our wardrobe. Uh, this is an amazing outlet, uh, really good at supporting the community. Uh, now, the Jiu-Jitsu Times and NJN have partnered together to give you guys a special promo code. Just enter in JJT at checkout for 20% off all purchases. Let them know we sent you. It's an amazing brand. You'd really be helping everybody out. And trust me, the quality is next level. This hat, uh, this hat, hang on. This is one of their hat options. It's really cool. The fist. That was their original in. logo, the fist with the no judges needed on the NJN on it. That was the old, old school ones. And they yeah, kind of so get get the vintage logo before they're gone, man. Yeah. It's it's a it's you're a legendary brand. Yeah. One more time when you're buying from no judges needed, you're buying from a real true jujitsu owned and operated uh, operation. Troy Regano was one of my black belt brothers, an awesome dude, and they put out quality, quality gear. So you are giving back to the community, spitting your dollars and they love and having them work for you. So give give go buy some no judges needed and, and support a jujitsu owned operation, man. They're good people. All right. Well, with that out of the way, it would be uh, very rude to keep our incredibly polite and and happy guest waiting any longer. So I'm going to read him in really quick. Uh, Today, we are spending some time talking with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, Sambo instructor, and Kalinda instructor, a form of stick fighting. Uh, Please welcome to the studio, Mr. Rondell Benjamin. Rondell, thank you so much for bringing you... Bringing your beautiful self here to the studio, man. How you doing? Now, FIFA full fun. Let's talk jujitsu and have some fun. <laughs> All right. I'm I gonna. Just, I'll just say real quick. I, I love Mr. Rondell Benjamin more than you can even imagine. There's just something about this guy that gets into my skin. We're constantly liking each other's Facebook posts and sharing each other's Facebook posts. I've interviewed him before, and he's unquestionably one of my favorite guests to have on the show. Great source of martial arts. Uh, I got to just I got to just say I felt like I was doing a pretty good job being happy and now I'm a, oh, I'm man. I'm it's very obvious I'm clearly not operating as happy as there I There is be. something about those uh, that island voice. It doesn't matter. They could be telling you you're horrible, I hope you die, I go to hell and it just has that ring to it. You get the music in you, you want to dance around <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> there you go. Oh, so man, how are you doing today, Rondo? Everything good, man? 
I mean, today's a sunny day. The weather is sweet. So if you're not living in the Caribbean, I'm sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's been a really good day today. You know, I um, trained this morning, hung out with the kids, talking to you guys. So it's going to be fun. Oh, now for our listeners, which island exactly are you living on right now? The most southerly isle in the Caribbean. It's called Trinidad and Tobago. It's two islands, not one. And um, we're famous for three things. We came up with the steel band, the limbo <laughs> dance, and we have some of the coolest beaches that you've ever seen with the hugest carnival in the Caribbean. So what you call Miami Carnival, Toronto Carnival, New York Carnival, all came from Trinidad. Hey, Kev, I think our I think I found a really good location for our first in-person episode. I think we have to have a, uh, a satellite show in Trinidad. Yeah, we just got to we're just like we got sick of America. We're living here now. <laughs> always, always, always. Well, thanks, man. Um, now, how how did you find jujitsu? What was your path to the martial arts? Look, what did that look like? Classic 19. I think it was 97. UFC 2, I saw a VHS tape. I had a, you know, nearly a black belt at the time in karate. I saw the karate guy get his ass whipped. And I sat there in shock, right? I felt hollow inside. I'm like, I've been studying. I thought I was like near God status. You know, dragon ball Z stuff. And then this guy in a pajama throws himself <laughs> on the ground, flops around, and takes everybody out. But um, there's one good trait about Caribbean people. We gravitate with high precision and speed to whatever works. And so then I got every black belt magazine I could find. Um, I got a job in Venezuela. There was an alliance school there, um, which was under Fabio Gugel. Gugel and um, the guy who ran UFC Venezuela, Francisco Salvador, was my first teacher. Um, then I did Samba with Scott Sonnen in Pennsylvania, of all places. Yeah, I used to travel back and forth to the States. And that's oh, been the man. drive. Like, how do I get back to Dragon Ball Z ninja status? And that's <laughs> it. You know, as someone that has that has studied multiple martial arts, there's something about you that I feel like distinguishes you from other or differentiates you from a lot of other martial arts, a lot of other strictly jujitsu guys that we have on is that you have the luxury of being multifaceted and having your understanding of all different aspects of jujitsu or of, of martial arts. So I guess this is kind of a odd question, but I just want to get your opinion on this. Like what do you feel are some of the things that make all martial arts the same psychologically you know obviously there's different aspects some to striking martial arts some to grappling martial arts but what are some of the things that tie the whole concept together well it's super weird your question is exactly the place that i've arrived at that it's all one thing um i actually don't see it broken up when i started doing research into the history of gracie jiu-jitsu they did standing they did striking they did um close quarter combat on the ground they did surprise attack with weapons because those dudes were living like a real life. When you're living a real life where people can do a bunch of different stuff, you understand that these are the four or five areas that have to be covered. Um, when you look at, for example, a lapel grab, it's not that different from a punch. If you look at the old judokas, they would use percussive striking to gather the grip 
which they call the Temiwaza, and then transition into Tachiwaza, which is throwing, and then Nagewaza, which is ground grappling. Um, all systems that people had to fight for real, for real, Sambo, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu. You can go into the continent of Africa with the Lambda and the um, Kipura styles. Capoeira Angola had grappling, striking, weapons. You go into India, Kalari Payat, which is the, I suspect to be the original source of much of what's become Asian martial arts. They had all the weapons, all the grappling, all the empty hand stuff, all the wrestling. You go to Asia and you look at the early versions of the martial arts we now love. And one of the little known facts, karate actually was a grappling striking art that took their throws out to make judo more comfortable when they came to Japan from Okinawa. And if you go into like the research of, of karate now, they're starting to reincorporate the throws and the wrist manipulations and all of that. So anybody who's getting the crap beat out of them knows these are the five areas that I need to attend to. Standing up when somebody's trying to hit me, when somebody's holding on to me, while we're standing up against a cage door wall in a car, then, if we happen to fall over to the ground, I need to attend to that. Then, if they whip out wicked sharp objects or things that go bang, I need to address that. And um, this is the weird one. Generally, as a rule, martial artists who have gotten older over time always seem to tend towards healing and philosophy to kind of complete themselves. I think it's because they're getting old, too old to fight, and they want to be useful. But um, it's a big deal for me that the, the philosophical part of it, like who I am as a man um, and how do I ensure that the next generation of people that I teach have that as a question. You know, what's my integrity levels? Do I honor myself? Does my teacher and my, does my family matter? You know, those things, I think, are the, the add-on that was built in to prevent wicked warriors from destroying the village. I had to add this philosophical element to to keep a kind of limiter on, on the power martial artists could acquire in a community. And if I break stuff, I have to learn to fix stuff. And so that's it. Those are the seven elements that I, it's like you can go through every martial art in the globe. They have to attend it at some point. Did you, was there ever a, did you ever consider yourself maybe before you got really into martial arts to be a, a, a more violent person? Like, did you, do you feel like martial arts have helped temper you in some way or did, were, were you just a normal person? That's another thing I found. And you share this with me, maybe most martial artists I know are hurt people. They traumatize people or they're scared people. Martial arts aren't like, if you're a full fledged alpha male OG from birth, you don't ever learn martial arts. You just OG it, grab people, push them, take their shit eat whatever you want, and you just caveman it. Just, just drag those knuckles, right? The guys who stop, study, and acquire guys who've been hurt and are trying to find a way to kind of... So I was one of those guys who I grew up in Wisconsin, and when I came back to the islands, I had an American accent. And the guys in the school were picking on me. And I didn't... Like, I couldn't handle it, you know? And my mom, who's my first martial arts teacher, told me, kick them as hard as you can and run. <laughs> so that was my first martial art. I call it kick foo. And, um, <laughs> and then it's just been constantly trying to acquire more and more information to be better and better. So I never feel that powerless again. 
And generally, as a rule, those are the guys who stay in the gym. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was listening to you a little bit. I, I agree with you on that, and on the fact that normally people that gravitate to martial arts are missing something. Now, there's still the alphas because there still are some alphas that want to come because they're looking for some way to channel that that side of them. They need to find a reason to, to do something. It's, there's something inside of that alpha person that feels like they constantly have to conquer. And we don't live in a society where you can just go bang someone in the head and drag them off into a cave anymore because the normal rules of society don't yeah. tolerate that anymore. So they look for ways to try to channel that out. Um, the one thing that I was really interested in when talking to you about is, is when you talked about the idea of character, because, you know, as I grow as a martial artist and as I grow as a human being, you start to realize that that is really the important aspect of martial arts, the character that you, that you earn through that. Because when I start to think in general of some of the more accomplished, you know, winners, of all time. You talk about your Michael George, you talk about your, you know, GSPs, you're talking about, you know, the, the guys like the, the new England Patriots, you know, different sports, different organizations. The one thing I always think that differentiates someone that is talented from someone that is a champion is the understanding of character because character encompasses so much more than just being a good person. You know, character encompasses showing up on time. Character encompasses, being dedicated, a character encompasses the belief and the understanding that there is something greater than yourself at play. And I think that when we talk about what older martial arts think about, we talk about that when we yes. talk about character. Um, for me, the the shift that I've entered in, because I'm now 45, so the last the last seven years of my life, there's been this real strong pull. And the pull is to really understand the mechanics of helping others find greatness, right? And um, that's where I think a good martial arts instructor is the kind of person who can find the young alphas and channel them into the system. They can find those who've been hurt and help them find a way to heal. It does require discipline. It does require understanding of dedication, faithfulness, those things that make the the average become exceptional and the exceptional become godlike, right? Um, it's this edge that all martial artists know in order to, to, to beat the odds you have to acquire. Um, because I think as you get older, you recognize there's always going to be somebody younger, faster, and stronger. Then character counts. Character is that thing that's going to allow you to access the deepest part of self and expand and do things that you're not capable of doing in normal life. And there's some really cool words people use for it, but to me, the do in the judo or the, the pathway in jiu-jitsu has a practical purpose. Not only is it about developing character, but it's an understanding that the same things that develop character allow us to access altered states. So when you talk about flow state, when you talk about those states that allow people to exceed their, their limit um, in liminal transport is what they call it. Those things require a very particular kind of life with a very particular ecology of practice. There's a series of things that you have to do in order to access that. So I think martial artists hundreds of years ago figured out that the same things that makes you a good dude 
are the same things that allow you psychologically to access these altered states and perform way above and beyond what you thought you were ever capable of. And so to me, good character is partially part of extreme high performance under dire circumstances. You know, and I've I've interviewed you before, so I already know I already know why I want to lead this to you because I already know your answers to it, and I want to hear you say because you're amazing. You tell me way better than I do. <laughs> but when we talk about the idea of character, like character is built over a period of time when you've experienced things, like you've gone through adversity in life, you've lived through things, you've seen different situations that occur. That now you realize, okay, this is how I deal with that. This is how I control that. This is how I maintain my sense of wellness through all of that. Now, in order to attain what we talked about when we talked about the flow state, because I've been with you before, and I think you know where I'm leading with this. There, there's a certain amount of intuitive, intuitiveness that needs to be able to apply and able to get into that position where you kind of flow and you find out what's happening and in order to have that intuitive in this you have to understand what your opponent is trying to do and therefore the character starts to come back into it expand a little bit more upon that for us because i know you've got some good points on that so there's a, a couple ways to look at it one of the things is that like a, a large portion of the human brain is is connected to something called mirror, mirror neurons so one of the things we're extremely good at is looking at another person and repeating their behavior inside ourselves. The fancy word for that is empathy, right? But for us human beings at high level performance and flow, we actually are entering to, into the other person, simulating what they're doing, and then we are then able to counter it in a fluid state. So character and the factor of developing empathy is actually a tactical tool that you can apply during combat, right? Um, you've ever heard guys say, he felt like he was in my head. Part of that is being empathic, which means, weirdly enough, I have to be open to you. I have to connect to the emotions you're feeling. I have to feel where you're coming from in order to connect to you and then be able to read what you're going to do and then do things to either stop you from doing what you're going to do or help you do what you're going to do, but that ends up creating an advantage for me, right? And I mean, anybody who's rolled knows that there's some old cats. Who, when you're rolling with them, you feel like they're five steps ahead. There's like, there's clear ways of getting there. Um, another thing that, that we have to look at is adversity and resilience, right? Um, one of these things, the formulas in flow state acquisition is the task has to be just outside of your capability in order for your organism to acquire a new level or a new gear to respond, which means you have to train really hard and bump up against your limits all the time in order to recognize the moment where this is exceeding your limits. And then this allows you mysteriously to then change gears and flow. Um, and there's some pretty good literature on why it has to be that way. And then the last thing that is critical for me for flow state, and it's kind of fairly consistent through a lot of the different martial arts I've done, is that there has to be a death of ego. You can't be worried about what anybody else is thinking while that rare naked choke is slipping on the back of you. You have to be so deeply connected to what's happening, how you're feeling, where your opponent is, and what's best for both of you. 
Because this is one of the weird things I, I picked up from a good brother of mine um, named Tony Torres. If your intent is so malicious, your opponent feels the maliciousness and it gives them a cue to avoid the next move. Part of the mastery is not having a visible bad intent because it doesn't cue your opponent in. So they, you'll hear them say, be empty, let go, Luke, use the force, Luke. But it's like, it's real. Like when you do that, you let go of intent, let go of ego and respond to the moment in a way that has integrity, the integration of everything you have. Some weird stuff happened. And um, why I love jujitsu is it's one of the few martial forms that's like built to cultivate constant access to flow because of the contact, because you have different belt ranks, because of the, the, the constant ability to check limitations, operating up to 99% of your capability. All of these factors, it's like that, and I think probably video games are the two things that I call flow machines. And so that's why Jiu-Jitsu guys are generally gamers. They're all flow nerds, and they live, uh, they like surfing as well. Right. Because again, these are, different right. machines that allow us to access the state maybe a little marijuana to alter the state of mind i don't know so oh, i've heard so i've heard <laughs> called plant medicine guides that sounds yes. cooler i like that i like that i like where your head's going i you know i i i'm a huge student of that because this is one of the things that that I love about jujitsu, just like you said, you know, the, the duresses that we put our bodies through when we're rolling or second level. So in order to hit, like you said, in order to hit that flow state, you have to put yourself in a position of duress. You have to put yourself, that's why people go into, into heat chambers and saunas to make their minds go to these horrible, horrible places. So there's a feeling of freedom and openness and, and like ex extremes on both ends, extreme cold, you know, yeah. like, but also I, I think it's crazy that you brought up surfing specifically just because when i was talking with uh uh frederick my friend who runs uh public domain which is this like jujitsu skater magazine yeah. me and him talked about how the the reason that jujitsu is shuffled in more with the sports like so like like skating like skateboarding and surfing and snowboarding and not more traditional sports like like tennis or soccer is that you're being asked different things of you you know like take like like dipping into a wave is asking for more of yourself than a lot of other sports just because you're dealing with raw nature you could be like 20 feet in the air on a skateboard after doing a trick and you've got to just not you got to be entered the you've got to be so in the flow that you finish the trick because if you realize oh my god God never meant for us to be up this high. And then you spaz out and break your back on the way down. It's, it's, it's very interesting because you're, you're trying to submit someone. You're, you're rolling with the intent to stop someone and make them give up. But in that journey, if you commit yourself fully to what you're doing, it, it beautiful. You start to see it. You start to see the matrix. You start to be Neo basically, which I, I thought that was really cool. It's, it's one of the things that's unique about the way we practice our jiu-jitsu. So if you look at Japanese jiu-jitsu and Aikido versus Niwaza, Judo, slash, you know, BJJ, um, we're, all, we're a little bit closer to feeling like you're going to die all the time. 
Like, no, dude, if you're rolling with people no, who are yeah, I, I know, yeah. I, you, I, I just, um, I just, he's a, he's a blue belt. He knows all about that. <laughs> I'm the guy that just gets, I, I also just got finished. Uh, I visited 10th planet San Diego with Boogie Ooh. and it was one of their comp classes where it's just an hour of rolling and that's it. And you're just positional sparring by the end of it. I thought I was, I had a stroke. Like I, yeah, I didn't know where I was. <laughs> oh man. Well, okay. So let's like what, one of the things I found with jujitsu players is that we, we enjoy the fact that our sport, that our, our martial art is held in such high esteem, you know, thanks to the UFC and thanks to the number of big fighters that win with jujitsu and how effective it is. We appreciate that we have a very good thing going. But it's always good when people that are in the sport are not satisfied and they venture out and they, they try different things and new forms. So tell us a little bit about how the other forms that you practice have supplemented you, you as a martial artist overall. Well, there's, there's like three categories of martial arts I practice. So there's like sport-based, there's um, like combat-based, and then there's cultural-based, right? <clears throat> and the reason I did that is very, very, there's a peculiar reason why. But sambo, judo, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, for me, is the same thing. I do not distinguish between them. Um, there's a really cool book out called um, The Making of Close Guard by Robert that drives wow. the- Yeah, yeah. We, we both read it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, all, we're, all, uh, we're all on that same tip. An amazing, amazing book. I'm halfway but, through it. But the cool thing is he's like, there's, there's some research he did that's opening a door to more research that needs to be done. Um, but one of the things I picked up pretty quickly is what we call jujitsu is a combination of catch, judo, some jujitsu, and some capoeira. It's that's what it is in terms of the influences. The the environment was constant warfare in those four groups. And constant warfare in four groups means there's gonna be constant rubbing against each other and borrowing of technique and tactics. So that's why I love those, because they're all the same family. The combative stuff is, I came to a realization once I started working with firearms, knives, and, and people who, some of my teachers were bad guys. So I didn't only have good guys as teachers. Like my stick fighting teachers, they were criminals. They lived the hard life, street guys, street cats. And when I heard how they thought and what they did, I recognized that this, this whole area of knowledge that good guys don't have access to and that it needs to be attended to. When, when they talk about using a beer bottle to weaponize the beer bottle and then use a circular S-type cut to make sure that the doctor can't stitch it upright, right? That needs to be attended to. That's, that's not just like, oh, I'll just use a double-edged takedown and I'll be fine. No, you won't be fine, right? You have to attend to that stuff if you live where I live, right? Um, when guys tell you, they'll put garlic on an ice pick so that when they stab you, you won't feel it. That's different. You have to understand that these things exist in this world and some of us who live near those things need to be prepared to understand that. When you understand that you get into a fight, you and your buddies, and one of your buddies gets stabbed, and you don't know enough tactical medicine to keep him from bleeding out, then your martial arts becomes 
of no value because you won the fight, but you still die, you need to attend to that. So that's why I got into that stuff. And then the cultural stuff came in last, where I recognized that through different cultures, because like we, we have these amalgams. So like all people from America are just like of the same tribe. No, they're not. Irish Americans, Estonians, they have each unique cultures that have passed down critical information for hundreds of years. So when you talk about Irish fighters, they're very precise. They know what they're doing in a way that other stick fighting cultures actually don't. And um, so I started recognizing that there was culturally imbued information that I wanted access to, you know, and that's kind of how I recognize that these are three areas of knowledge that are all martial arts and that if you spend time in each area, it just makes you integrated and better. Yeah, I, I think about reading the more and more I learn about the reality of history, not the marketing of, yeah. of martial arts, because that's where we're at now. And there's nothing wrong with that. The two, the two go hand in hand because without the marketing, the reality of martial arts might not have made it through. That's why I always, I, I never, there are plenty of people out there that are way less skilled than I am that make more money or are more successful in their teaching abilities to reach more people than I do. And it's because they know how to market themselves. And I, I used to get mad about that and shake my hand and the fist in the air, but I tell myself, you know what? I can never knock a man's hustle because that's what they do. And yeah. they're out there spreading the art I love and getting people involved, which in turn builds the community of what I love more. But when you talk about the reality of martial arts, like martial arts before – you know, the turn of the century before 1900s, like there really wasn't an idea of this is one distinguished martial art. This is another thing that didn't happen until the 1920s when re people realized, hey, I want people to come to my school. So I'm going to say that my school was different from your school. And you see that not just in jujitsu, you see that in karate, you see that in all types of different. I, the more and more I look into the research up, you see that more content, all, all types of different. So when you talk about the idea of martial arts being an all-inclusive type atmosphere because the word jiu-jitsu really doesn't mean anything. Nope. The word jiu-jitsu is just a, a generic terminology for the even, way that they, they use self-defense in Japan. There's not even one uniform way to spell it outside no, right. of like you Japanese can't spell it. You can't spell it. Like hyphen, no hyphen capitalized. Is it one word? Is it two words? Like <laughs> right. it's the AP style is having a nightmare over this thing. So when we start to talk about your – understanding and your thoughts into the cultural aspects of martial arts is something that interests me because i've always thought about that too like in the beginning martial arts is all about people protecting themselves all about people figuring out ways to protect themselves and other people living in a violent society because post 1900 we live in a violent society you live in trinidad you still live in a violent society so everyone in their own little cultural area was all about fixing the same thing which is figuring out and protect yourself I mean, it's really cool. Like you have such a good like building it all together and then understanding the five concepts of what you talked about and then thinking about the regional aspects. It's really cool because if you look at every little region, they all had some kind of jujitsu. It just didn't take off because no one marketed it into the world, you know. And, and what's really strange is it's still there. You talk about Dagestan, uh, Khabib's gonna fight. Khabib's not just doing wrestling. You have to understand what Khabib's doing is hundreds of years old. He's Dagestani. Why are the guys in, in Serbia so good at wrestling and the Caucasus? They've never stopped wrestling. They've been wrestling as long as they can remember, right? 
um, you look at somebody like Nganu, what they're not telling you is his father was a sand pit, no holes barred, fighting champion where he's from, right? These guys, they, they're not like these aberrations that just come out of nowhere. Um, the Gracies, their father ran a carnival with catchers, catch can wrestlers. Yeah. So since they were babies, they were seeing men strike and grapple and wrestle. And so they intuitively, automatically knew some things about real fighting that for us now in, in 2020, we're like, oh, it's all so shocking. But if you grew up around those times or you grew up in Kansas when there was like the best catchers, catch can wrestlers in the world that kind of it watered down to become folk style and, and then WWE, right? But the, the best wrestling in the world was in North America for a long time. So it's obvious that it would take off, UFC would take off in America. But that's when you have hindsight, when you kind of step back and you're like, oh, these dudes in Iowa have been wrestling since Iowa was Iowa, right? And before, <laughs> right? So, you know, Since so- Iowa was Iowa, shout out Subspectrum. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love I love that about martial arts, and and yep, the sir. more the more I think about it, the more even when I go teach, you know, at a, at my gym and I teach my private lessons in my gym, it's cool to feel like I'm connected to the whole. You know, it's cool to believe that hey, you know what, I'm a part of the whole thing. And when I teach my lessons, and I think about the way we name things, and I think about the way we try to say that my gym is superior to your gym. I think it's, in my mind, I think how silly that is, because all it really is, I have a different instructor than you have, and like, maybe my instructor showed things a little bit different than the way you show things, but at the end of the day, it's all the same shit, man. And it, it comes back, once you put like, constraints in place where you have to check to see if it works or not, it it, it gets real narrow real quick. And the same stuff that worked 2,000 years ago is the same stuff you're going to have to teach because the, the combat's very limited. The human psyche, our cognitive bias, our biology limits what we can do. We're forward-facing, bipedal. We have three brains stacked on top of each other that aren't really connected. Each of the brains didn't evolve one from the other. They kind of just were like slapped together a bit. And so once we get scared enough, we're going to drop down to the lower brain and it'll do some crazy stuff. And if you get even more scared, you'll drop down to the lower brain. And once you're in those states, you're going to respond the same way anybody will respond anywhere in the world who's scared enough. And um, once we kind of as martial arts recognize those patterns and how consistent they are across the board, it makes what we're doing even more fun. Yeah, man, I... I got another follow up on that whole top we just had because I, I I'm I'm intrigued and in I'd like your perspective on a few things from this scenario. The one we, we, you talked about living in a violent world because you know you obviously live in a violent world. You live in Trinidad. We've talked about this before. Like Trinidad, still there's still some some serious violence to, to have some people protect themselves. It's not unlikely unlikely to have someone to pull a short short sword out, you said, or a machete oh, out and, and, and use it. Very common. Very common. Now, and now it's going to get more common. COVID has created conditions globally yeah. where society is going to devolve a little bit. We have a massive refugee situation yeah. where we have hundred, like I think it's maybe 500 or 900. I'm not sure the numbers, but there's a huge wave of Venezuelan refugees. Yep. who are in low income, desperate, scared, 
need to feed their kids. We have a small island with limited resources. And so it gets caveman real quick. Yep. And when it gets caveman, you gotta do what you have to do. People try to people need to survive. And that's 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 the world we live in. And that's you know, as much as we'd like to believe as humans, we have evolved past that at the end of the day. We're still animals that do what we have to do to stay on this planet. And some of us live and some of us die, and that's just the way it goes. I think and I, I think that a great uh something that a, a buddy of mine said about the situation at large is that you know i'm I, I was we were talking about how everyone's like you know pe- some of the petty beefs have been put aside you know like very not not all of them definitely but a lot i've seen a lot of people in my life sort of put things aside and he just said man we're all playing defense <laughs> like we're, we're not none of us are are good to go on the attack in any way for any reason we're we're sitting in like sitting in the goal playing D right now. Yeah. The cool thing about it is those of us who are like minded will tend to pull together. But that's a natural human instinct. We circle the wagons and we try our best to help. But the other guys are gonna circle their wagons to try to take our shit. Uh, right? There's, and- <laughs> there's always and that's that's kind of the point I was trying to get back to you with is that you know, what I see a lot sometimes in, in the world of jujitsu is, you know, when you learn jujitsu, yes, to a certain extent, you have a superpower. Because, you know, I I you know, I talk about it all the time. Why not? I'll talk about it again. You know, I've worked in situations in bars as a bouncer yeah. for a long time. And, like, knowing what I know, it's it's almost comical when someone tries to start problems. Like, I'm just like, hey, man, like, I understand you really feel and you're upset. And I don't want to fight you. And whatever you think is going to happen, like, I'm going to tell you, it's probably not going to go down the way you think it's going to go down. But if you want to keep coming, you're more than welcome to. Now that's when I'm in a good mood. I mean, sometimes I'm not always in that good of a mood. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that, yes, ha- knowing jujitsu is having a superpower. But I think that because the majority of people, particularly live in the States, don't have the same reality of the evil world and the evils of the worlds that we live in because knowing jujitsu is great if you're a purple belt in jujitsu yeah you're pretty damn good but if that guy's got a knife or a gun or he's just a really tough dude the alpha male you're going to be in for a hard time you're nothing makes you invincible what are some of the things you would say to some of your students to make them understand that and what do you think are some of the reasons that make people think that way? Um, so apathy is the number one enemy of the martial artist. Any sense that makes you believe that anything you do makes you impervious to injury or harm is dangerous. We as martial artists must think strategically. So who are we preparing for? And there's a, a joke, uh, an old maxim that was called the three percenters. I don't know if you heard it. But three percent of every population is borderline psychopathic. So they don't play by the rules of the rest of the society. And the 3% is split 50-50. 50 end up being like police and Navy SEALs, and 50% of that end up like in jail killing people. These are special people. They're not like the rest of us. I'm preparing for those guys. I'm not preparing to fight Kevin. That's not... I'm not worried. Kevin and I will have some beers after. And say, that was- <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kev, Kev, he's not worried about you. Hey, man. Uh, I, I, Whoa, I, 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 like we, well, I think, I think 
to not to interrupt you, but I think the point you're trying to make is is that three percent recognize each other. Like, because I've been in this situation a lot. I've been in situations where there's going to be a fight, and I look this guy in the eye, and I know he's a warrior, and he looks me in the eye, and he knows I'm a warrior. And there's a certain point where we go, okay, you know what? Like, Let's we can do this. But do we really need to? No, no, no. Let's have a beer, right? Let's just, just have a beer. Yeah, let, because in every society, we have to understand that there exists a different group. I'll give you a good example. If Lamar Jackson decided to be a bad guy, then you can do a lot of jujitsu. But that's Lamar Jackson. You need to make up your mind that this cat's different, you know? And, you know, there's in, like Tyson Fury is one of those cats. It's not boxing that made him who he is. He was going to be that guy because he's that guy. And to beat that guy, when you're not that guy, you need to be like us, studied, crafty, figuring out, pushing the limits of your physiology, testing yourself, stressing yourself, gathering information, being better prepared, having situational awareness. You need more tools because those some, you know, like Animal Farm 101, we're not all equal. Four legs good, two legs better, right? <laughs> and and once once I say that, you, you can see everybody in the room knows whether they're alpha or not. And then they know, like the alphas know, what if I really run into me? All right? I'm I'm one of those dudes that I have no issue hurting people. I never did. And so I know what I'm capable of, and I've been taught by alphas, like really on both sides. Law enforcement, DT instructors. I worked with cats who worked in the seals, Delta. Like, I've been around the best. And I've also been around the worst. 20, 29 years in jail for murder with a razor blade. Those dudes. And to kill somebody with a razor blade, you have to be different. You're not like the rest of us. And so when I tell my students, this is who you're dealing with. This is who you're preparing for. And if this is what you want to do, you want to be ready to beat me, then you need to be ready because you're not going to beat me by doing some push-ups. Push-ups not going to help you here, right? You have to be perfect in your execution of your skill because if you make a single mistake, I'll take your soul. And um, it helps when you have a mixed class where the class can look across the, and there's some of my older students were ex-bad guys or good guys. And they are able to help the students recognize this is the reality. We do do every month, we do do like a, an awareness day where we look at the crimes that have happened for the month. Home invasions, rapes, we bring up cases, we bring in lawyers, um, medical personnel, law enforcement cats, just to let people understand this is the scenario we're really in. These are the threats we're facing right now. And, and so our jiu-jitsu is constantly... Um, being framed in the context of the environment we're in. So we had um, some attacks late at night in confined spaces. So in the middle of class, I just take off the lights. And, and, and then I'll put back on the light, you know, and you're like, okay, freeze. Where are you? Did you use your tactile senses? Were you trying to use your ears? How were you going? You know, there might be days where there were some concealed weapons being pulled. We showed the CCTV footage. And then the senior guys, I hid knives or guns in the keys. And in the middle of the roll, I'd say a certain word, and guys would go from rolling to being a real bad guy. 
And these shifts in the context of the roles creates a different level of aliveness. And it keeps the students grounded in. If I'm in mid-Birambolo, and then this guy whips out like a three-foot sword, I just need to understand. Not I love the Berambolo. I'm a Mikey fan. Like I'm the biggest fan of the Berambolo, and I'm 250 pounds. People think I'm nuts, right? I'm like a, a fat dude, fat dude, like panda dude, just rolling all over the place. But I also know if somebody's standing up and they can strike. I need to adjust quickly to the context that you're I'm not, in. You're not going to go. You're not going to go looking for X guard if they're just standing up. <laughs> Especially if they are on steel toe boots. No. No. Do you think, like, looking at the sport and the the different rule sets that exist and, like, there's there's basically something for everybody, do you think it's possible to get to that high level in the sport without being, like, without, regardless of rule set, without being that type of alpha mentality uh, competitor? Jiu-jitsu is unique in this one aspect. Um it's one of the few sports where physiological talent does not overshadow tactical excellence or brilliance. Um, we'll use guys like uh, Mikey Musamechi, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he has some attributes, but I've seen him in open class, and, and that's not attributes. He's just technically and tactically sounded on those guys, but he does not have the, the gifts that a guy like Devontae um, Johnson has. Devontae Johnson is running off of athleticism and skill, but, or, you know, you look at Roger Gracie. Roger Gracie is like a giant. Like, so when people tell me, oh, if you want a close guard, just look at Roger. I'm like, bro, he's six foot five. (laughs) Come on, bro. And from what I've heard from other people, like one of the strongest human beings they've ever, they've ever, they've ever. Yeah, let's let's be clear on what we're looking at. Um, So I do think jujitsu, you can be a world champion and not be alpha. But then you have to be 10 times more technical, 10 times more studied, watch every video. Like you have to be um, almost OCD, almost borderline um, Asperger's. And I do believe there's, there's guys like Mikey for me is, he looks to me like he's Asperger's, like he's like yeah. almost a genius. So uh, from what I've heard that, from what I've heard about Mikey, that's, that's pretty, pretty close to the reality of it too. And, and so, yes, you can win chess. Jiu-jitsu, like games that require deep knowledge of the patterns can overcome physicality. But if you ask me to bet on it, and I have, somebody says you need a world champion UFC athlete in five years, I would go to the NFL combines. I'd pick the biggest, fastest, ugliest dude. <laughs> and um, yeah, in five years, I'll probably have a world champ because life's not fair like that. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> the truth. And that's the reality of things. And that's what I talk about when I talk about memes and things I see on the internet, when it's like, well, you know, you see like people think this is the toughest guy in the world when it's really this. And they show a picture of like Justin Gagey with like glasses on. It's like, yeah, Justin Gagey is a very strong person. He's an, he's an incredible fighter, but he's also five, six, you know, 160 pounds, maybe 170 pounds when he's fat and out of shape. And they're picturing next to some gargantuan six, five, 320 pounds. Shaq. Yeah, Shaq. Monster. It's like, yes, in the reality of a fair world, of course, we'd like to go with the train guy, but let's not forget 
that some yoked up crossfitter is not going to be an easy mark. If the if the NFL and the NBA didn't exist, and we had just like all of these massive athletes with no place to go, and they just decided to go into the UFC within. Within a decade, I, I would say within a decade, they would phase out every everyone else in the sport. No bueno, LeBron. Le- everyone would yeah. cut down. Everyone would start cutting an entire way. Can you imagine LeBron James in jiu-jitsu? Oh, my that's, God. That's not like I've never believed the bigger, stronger, skillful guy is going to lose against the smaller, skillful guy. No. If skills the same, size matters. Okay. Size How do we matter. Because there's weight classes. If we really believe that size didn't matter, there would be no weight classes. That's the reason why the heavyweight's always been the absolute in the ADCC. As much as we wanted to say that, yes. But, but that that was what, what made Mikey's, uh, I think, third place finish in the absolute such right. like a crazy thing because it's like, holy shit. <laughs> Lachlan Giles. I mean, yeah, Lachlan the Giant Killer. Yeah. Yeah. The Lucky's amazing, except that as soon as the guys that are bigger than him learn enough. And match tactically with him. That's why he's not going to beat Gordon on those guys, right? It's not that he doesn't have amazing skill, but they know enough to negate his skill advantage. Then it's back to the strength size game. And then they're um, bigger, stronger, and faster. Rondell, if you had five years, if you had, if you had LeBron as he is right now for five years, and he's doing nothing but training jujitsu every day, do you think in five years he beats Gordon Ryan? Yes. Oh man, but I Alex, think so, I think so too. Gordon, Gordon did what he did in three years, and Gordon is not. I don't have him as like this exceptionally, I'm um, highly coordinated, super explosive athlete. His big shift came when he put on all that weight. I believe if he stayed down two weight classes, he would be having a much more difficult time. He went to a weight class where he was big, as big as them and a little more skillful, and they were less mobile than him. If he was down, because when he was in lower weight classes, he wasn't having this level of success, and he knew that. That's why they got him to yoke up, to get him out of the weight class where you'd have the highest difficulty. Right? I agree. And, um, I, he, he, would, he would hate you for saying that, but I agree with you 100%. I res- dude, I respect <laughs> that dude more than anybody knows, but he, him and his team have taught us two things that we've got to be very analytical and we have to look deeply at things. And the best way to learn from him isn't to try and just praise him. It's to try and pull him apart and figure out what they did right and what they didn't do right so that we can reproduce it in other places. All right, let me ask you one more question here because this is something I'd like to have your 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 opinion on because you're something someone that I would respect their opinion on this so we i i, I wrote an article not too long ago about ace for for ace jiu-jitsu i don't know if you saw it or not it, it, they, i didn't write it one of one of my writers wrote it and i put it out and it talked about uh the white supremacist tattoo and the big debate was is should you train bad people um from someone that has quite a few bad people in your environment yeah. Tell me from an ethical point of view, and you can talk to me from a martial arts point of view, because again, they are one yeah. and the same. What are your opinions on training bad people? Someone you know to be bad or perceived to be bad. So there's a two-sided split, right? So I'll I'll share with you all two perspectives. As a black African Trinidadian, there's a whole huge component of my community that's been underserved. 
that they have been poor for hundreds of years, that they're very angry, that they, they don't have a balanced way of viewing the world. So we think of them as thugs. I know the best way to get to them is through jiu-jitsu. Like if I wanted to change lives, like those cats in prison, you have a, a prison jiu-jitsu program and you probably are going to turn around more lives than create like demon monster ninja killers. So that's one thing. So there's, there is the ability of what we do to help bad people change. Redemption is possible. People can change. So if some, some yoked up white supremacist comes to my gym and says, I want to learn, I'll try to teach him. Because if there's one chance he's going to have of seeing people as people and, and looking for merit instead of color or looking for your heart instead of class, I believe jiu-jitsu is one of those few things that equalizes and balances people. The flip side of it is I am a big fan of law enforcement. The problem is when you give populations that are extremely aggressive, full of alphas, who are angry, and they're very skilled, it becomes very difficult and unsafe for normal citizens. Just the average everyday Joan and Jane who just want to go to, to Walmart or to you know, some cool place and have a beer. Because when, when guys like me, because I could have been one of those guys really easy, um, get the right training, and I'm angry and mad, it's going to be really tough. Like, a bad Lamar Jackson is like a bad thing to have on the planet. Right? Um, I'll give you just a note. The, the, the three fastest men in the world are like, they're from Jamaica. And what I know, because I'm an island boy, is they aren't the fastest. Those <laughs> are the ones that made it out of the hood. Right. right? But I guarantee you, where I've grown up, the average male can cross 100 meters in 11 to 12 seconds, right? So when people say that uh, police officers talk about the 40-foot rule, I'm like, that's where you live. Where I live, you need about 60 feet. You need 70 feet because these cats are just jacked up, right? They're just amazingly athletic. So that's why it's a, it's a scale of, I know this is what happened in Brazil, for example. The elite upper-class Brazilians, because Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a, a sport that was for the elite, the very wealthy. Um, if you look historically, you won't see people of African descent anywhere in the upper echelons for a long time. Um, but then guys like Carlton Gracie had a change of heart, and he started running these projects in all the ghettos around the favelas. And they produce now the Jackson and the Tedere's and Guys like um, Andre Galvao, these are all guys who came out from these programs, right? And so I think everybody can be redeemed and everybody deserves a chance. And so, no, I don't think that being a white supremacist should ban you or stop you from being able to access jiu-jitsu. I do believe that the instructor who chooses to walk with you on that journey then has a permanent responsibility. So this is what I tell guys who I think are a little dodgy. If you cross the line, I'll be there. If I teach you, I gave you life, then I have to stop you if somebody needs to stop. So no, I'm not going to have 20 any one point in time. That's a one-on-one -on -one journey of helping somebody understanding the risk 
of redemption. But at the same time, it's 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 very, very difficult to to give that much superpower to people who want to hurt other people. And so yeah. it's it's really tough. I'm right there with you on that. Because again, from firsthand knowledge, I have seen jujitsu change people. And, and it's just the whole process. No matter how it's the rare sport, if you're strong, I mean if you're weak, it'll give you confidence. If you're strong with these alphas, you're going to get humbled no matter what. You're going to come in there. And that humbling process makes you connect to the reality. It builds empathy in the entire process of what makes jujitsu so amazing to me and one of my, my, my number one most passionate response to anyone that wants to change jujitsu. Because people come in, they want to get tough. They want to do this. And I tell them, look, all those things are cool. But what you're going to find is the journey yeah. you go down is going to be so much more revealing and so much more healing and so much more of an understanding process than you can imagine. Rondell, I love you. We got to get going, my man. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Kev, you want to kick us out, man? I know you got to yeah, run, I just, man. One, one thing I wanted to say before you go is that we've done this. We've done 60, 68 episodes. This is 68. And in, in like all the guests we've had on, got to say, uh, you got the best smile of the bunch, man. Not going to lie. Like, yeah. I feel like this made Island my whole by. day. <laughs> I know. Well, hey, we got to make it down there sometime, man, for real. And I have. I appreciate you and all the the, the philosophy and the, the deep thinking you're bringing to the sport. We definitely need some more of that. And it was just a pleasure to talk to you, man. We hope you, we hope you'd be willing to come back at some point. Anytime. You all have uh, fun, you know. all if right, this, <laughs> this is usually the time of the show where our, if our guest has any kind of social media or, or businesses or things they want to shout out, they, they get to do that. Uh, so if you wanted to just take some time, if you have anything. I mean, anybody's looking to find us, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, Trinidad and Tobago, um, Bo Academy, Trinidad and Tobago. But but really, it, it, it's really about just relationships and family. And, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in somebody saying, hey, look, I know Kevin Bradley and check <laughs> you out. That, that means more to me than social media and all that crap. Like, so it's, it's always family, you know. If Kevin Gallagher says, "Hey, yeah, the islands, check this dude out," you know, then you all are, that person is gonna be like the best, best treated person ever. And so that's it for us, really. We're not so much into the business of martial arts. We we know that if we do the right things, we'll be fine. But that um, I've I've been clear with COVID. COVID has taught me this one lesson: that the people is what matters, and all the other stuff, the bullshit, just kind of is falling away real fast. And so that's it, you know, that we, we keep that love for each other. And yeah, anybody want to come down, just come down. Great, man. Oh, Rondell, man. I can't say enough about you. You know I love you, man. <laughs> for real, dude. This, this, this oh, is really my good. Favorites, man. Just such insights, man. Really, really sharp guy. And I just like, when I could just listen to you talk. I don't even care what you're saying. I just <laughs> want to hear you talk the whole time. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Uh, all right. Well, this has been another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Thanks again to Rondell Benjamin for stopping by. I have been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And as always, stay safe out there. Uh, love you, love, love you, loved ones, and protect yeah. your neck. Keep training. It's, it's a scary time, and we're all here trying to get through it together. Good night, everybody. <laughs>